0: Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash Elite.
1: Today's podcast is presented in part by the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular. New for 2018, the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular will be contested at IHRA tracks around the country with a $10,000 to win Saturday and $5,000 to win Sunday format. By pre entering the Saturday race for only $150, you will receive entry to Sunday's race for free. In addition, today's podcast is brought to you by Bill Taylor Enterprises. BTE is a manufacturing, design, and support company that specializes in high performance automatic transmission assemblies and components for drag racing, off road, marine, and street performance. With over 50 years of experience in drag racing, BTE has been a trendsetter and innovator, placing themselves and their customers ahead of the pack. everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in Sportsman Drag Racing and the stars within it. Gotta
2: hear this. Gotta hear this. This week on What Everyone Is Talking About.
0: Jed, I know that This show will actually release on September 12th, but we are recording on September 11th, 17 years removed from without question. I think the most tragic day of our lifetime and one of the most tragic days in American history. It's one of those rare moments that collectively we can't forget, like one of those scenes etched in our memory where – We all remember exactly where we were when we got the news. I know this is a drag racing, sportsman drag racing podcast, and we'll get to that. But I'm just curious, Jed and and Mark, too, producer Mark, where were you when you found out what was going on in New York? Luke, I was
1: uh, with Jennifer. We were headed on vacation or headed to vacation, and we were going to Gatlinburg. But we had just started getting out of the city of Birmingham and— listen to a local talk show on the radio. And we were about to jump off the interstate right on the outskirts of Birmingham, just grab us a biscuit at Chick-fil-A and keep driving. And they come on the radio and said, you know, they think that based on what they were seeing, the World Trade Center had just, one of the buildings had just been hit by a plane. And at the time they were making it sound like you know, they, it looked like an accident, like just something crazy just happened. Maybe something happened to the pilot, whatever. And we probably, I, I must say it was between 8 and 9 in the morning here in Alabama. I'm not exactly sure what time it happened, but, you know, we were thinking that's bad. It sounds really bad, but it just, listen to it on the radio and, and listen to them say it. It just, you couldn't get a feel for, obviously, what was about to happen. And... I guess we rode for another, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour and and you could start telling that maybe this is a lot worse than what it sounded like initially. And then obviously the four and a half hour or so ride to the Pigeon Forge area from Birmingham, it became very obvious what was happening to our country, you know, that, that we were being attacked and you started hearing about the Pentagon and all those things. That happened. We're going to the Grand Run, which is a huge car show in the Pigeon Forge area that we we went to every year. You know, it was just so weird because everywhere you stopped along the way uh, that day, it was all people were talking about. Obviously, it was ruling all of the television coverage and, and any radio station that you were listening to and it was like, wow, you know, we all of a sudden you didn't feel quite as safe as you did going on vacation. You know, that's obviously it was happening in New York and we're in the, the northeast corner of Tennessee about to go on vacation for a few days. But I don't know, it just felt like our safety was in jeopardy. Just felt really weird when we got there. Obviously, there was. Thousands and thousands of people that had already committed to this, staying in hotels, got their cars shined up, doing their thing. So that went on as planned, but it was the spirit of it just changed so much to where people were just so focused on the coverage and what was happening and when the buildings come down it was obviously so tragic and you see in this coverage of of all the terrible things that were happening to the people that not only were responding but the people that were in the building so i don't know it was obviously the worst vacation i've ever been on so this is just burned in my memory for the rest of my life. It's one of those things you'll never forget. Obviously, I don't think anybody that was an adult at the time is ever gonna forget it. There was vigils being held there in that area where you could go and just be with people and try to unite and pray and hope that somehow the news was going to get better as the days, weeks and months went on, but obviously it got worse for quite some time. But Um, I guess the thing that I remember the most is just the spirit of America and how people came together to support the cause in any way they could. You know, people sending, obviously, food and drinks and help, physical help and equipment and people coming together, you know, in my small area where we were having get togethers in my city you know just to try to create a bond that would show any kind of terrorist act that you can't you just can't dominate the american spirit it's going to overcome all this negativity and and tragedy so it was a day that hopefully we never see again but it was definitely one that Made me proud to be an American. When it was all said and done, it was uh, it created uh, an additional level of pride in my country and uh, the people within it.
0: Yeah, well said, Jed. I think what one of the things that tends to get lost now, seventeen years later, and that I I think you did a good job of articulating is like now we know the whole story. You know what I mean? And it almost seems. To say like take for granted, it's not the right word, but we understand more what was going on like that uh, on September 11th, 2001, there was more. I mean, obviously there was a morning, but there was more confusion than anything. Like no one yeah. understood for the longest time what really happened and why. I mean, for probably weeks afterward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really didn't understand what was happening initially. Yeah, you know, just like you said, it was like, we're, Pulling in, get some breakfast and going on a vacation that we're super excited about. And we're thinking, man, that's a really bad thing. A plane has hit the, you know, hit the World Trade Center. But when you finally realized that it was not an accident, it was an attack on our country and the people in it, it was, it just felt so much different. And it was unbelievable how it just changed our whole outlook on it. But
2: tough, tough day. All right, Producer Mark,
0: turn the microphone on, get you to chime in a little bit.
2: I was, uh, I'm the youngest of the three of us here, so I was only in 10th grade, actually, when it happened, and uh, I was in health class, I'll never forget, I was in the second row from the window, the second seat back, I don't know why, I don't remember, it's so funny how that day, you remember such specific things, because I don't know where I was in any other class that I've ever been in, but that day, I remember exactly where I was sitting, and I remember some rumbling kind of, you know, you start to hear people kind of whispering and people sort of saying things. And, and then we had heard at a plane, like kind of like Jed said, we heard that a plane had hit the trade center and, and um, no one knew what was going on. It's very similar to heat, like he said. And then it really kind of hit home. When the principal came on. And I remember, I also vividly remember him specifically saying that all instruction for the day should stop. And that never happens. I mean, I'm a high school teacher now and that you never hear from a principal that all instruction for the day should stop. And he said that there is an event happening that's going to change the face of the world. And he said that we should all tune in. We had TVs in the classroom. So everybody was supposed to turn on the TVs and we watched the whole day. Now we still moved from class to class. And I don't remember necessarily a lot of the, the, of the goings on after that. But I just, I remember watching all day long. I remember watching the second plane hit. We were watching it live when that happened. I remember watching both buildings fall. And then of course the plane that crashed in Shanksville is only, that's only 45 minutes or so from where I went to high school. So that really, really hit home. And it really kind of the, the panic, so to speak, maybe if you'd call it that, really kind of set in at that time and people started to take their parents started to come and get their kids and there was a little bit more I don't want to say chaos because there was no chaos that day but there was a little bit way more confusion whenever people started to find out about this plane that had crashed only 45 minutes or 50 minutes from home and it was really that was just a really bizarre day now of course in my daily profession now I have kids it just kind of we're just talking about it with some other teachers the other day Kids now we're just getting into classes in the last couple of years that weren't even born. I'm a high school teacher, so ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth graders, and some of them weren't born when it happened. So throughout my career, I've I've dealt with kids that could remember it, and then kids that could barely remember it, and then kids that were alive but their parents had told them about it. Now we're dealing with kids that weren't even born that day, and I think that the I don't teach anything history related, but I always make it a point to speak about my memories from that day every day just so that we don't forget it so that all these kids can always remember exactly how that or not exactly but how that day felt from our standpoint so that's sort of my story luke how about you yeah no i i echo both of
0: your emotions i think and and really mark my story is similar to yours I'm a couple years older i was 20 years old on um September 11, 2001, I was just starting my junior year in college at uh, Northwood University, which is a small school in Texas. And I'll never, just like you said, like it's one of those moments that's just ingrained in your mind. Like, And it's amazing how you remember the details of that day. I was sitting in a class in the chapel on our campus, and it was Dr. Levesque was um, the lecture to this day. Like, I can't tell you the details. I can't tell you what Ancient civilization he was talking about, but the gist or the topic of the conversation and the lecture was that this ancient civilization, the the emperor, the, the powers that be, their take on combating evil was that the only way to combat evil was with evil. So we sit in this deep conversation along those terms. I walk out of that class and on the the back of the main building there on campus was like a a commons area, um, kind of a glass enclosed annex to the building with a couple of TVs that typically every day that I would walk out of there, there might be a dozen kids in there sitting around tables, watching TV, playing cards, whatever, passing the time between classes. And as soon as I walk out of the chapel, this room is overflowing like three, 400 kids in there glued to the television. And it's obvious at that point, something's not normal. Walk down there and, and almost immediately get word. And I believe at that time, the second tower had just been struck. So the pieces are starting to come together. And obviously everyone is in shock. And as we mentioned earlier, confusion, not really knowing what to do. I walked to my next class. And as you said, Mark, like our instructor had no idea what happens next. And we sat in there for about 20 minutes just talking about what little information that we had as a group about the situation. And um, Professor, Professor Genshev was his name. He, he just stood up and said, look, I don't know what we're supposed to be doing as a university, but you guys go home to your families. Like, we'll, we'll worry about this in the future. You know what I mean? Personally, like that happened it was less than a month after my father passed away. So, like, from a personal standpoint, like, everybody talks looking back about the fear instilled from that day. And, like, that seems like an obvious emotion. And I don't know, for me, like, if I was just so numb from losing my father, like, I don't remember feeling that. I just remember going, what in the world is the world coming to? You know what I mean? Like, what is going on here? And just confused, numb, and just, I don't know, the... Everything about that day, like you say, is just so etched in in memory. And I think now, beyond the the tragedy, beyond the the fear of that day, now seventeen years removed, I think what stands out most, at least in my memory, is the heroism, like the camaraderie, like you said, Jed, the togetherness of our nation in that. Rebuilding process, the rebuilding, the mourning, the recovery. Today, we live, I think it would be difficult to argue that we live in one of the most divisive times in our nation's history. Like, say what you will about our government and our president, like, as with anything, we take the good with the bad, but our country is not together, right? Far from it. The most divisive I've ever seen in my lifetime. And if there is good to come of this and particularly this now patriots day that we kind of celebrates not the right word but that we recognize each year it's that i think for at least one day i feel like we all come together to form that common bond of compassion sorrow and more than anything just pride in being an american yeah very well said like that um
1: you know, it's it's a day where we all went through about every emotion you could. You know, immediately my simple mind was led to think, is this an act that thousands of people are part of this organization that's attacking our country? What's the next target? But, you know, as tragic as it was, it was a, a fairly simple minded thing and hit specific targets and fortunately did not spread anywhere else in the country is that would have just added a lot more pain and sorrow for everyone. But it's definitely inspiring to see how people come together, government and and civilians and everybody else to, to rebuild and continue on and get through it but um it's definitely something that you you might get through but you won't ever forget so uh, to everyone that was affected personally by this uh, i'm sure there's some listeners out there that that have a personal connection to this one way or another Uh, again thoughts and prayers for you for how this affected your life but uh Definitely proud to see that uh, America came together on that day and many days beyond to to rebuild.
2: He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing.
1: BTE Who's Hot. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at bteracing.com. Luke, uh, as we mentioned, there was not a ton of bracket races to go looking for our hot driver this week. There was uh, some NHRA Lucas Oil Division, a couple of those events that got completed. And that actually produced just what we were looking for in our Who's Hot this week. Yeah, Jed, this
0: week's BTE Who's Hot goes to kyle bigley kyle was the Supercomp winner of the nhra division one event up at epping uh, new england dragway which basically i don't want to say cemented but put him in real good position to go ahead and clinch the division one Supercomp championship this year and that's young kyle bigley college student thus far he's only been to i think this was his sixth divisional event of the year you only get to claim five of them epping was his second win plus a runner-up Plus a semifinal, like I say, all but cemented the division title, not only by winning the race, but by going head to head with the incoming points leader, Chris Gerritsen in round four. If that name sounds familiar, Big Jed, Chris Gerritsen was my little bit out on a limb (laughs) pick at the uh, midseason deadline for Team Luke because his score looked really good. And I admitted at that point, like I don't even know who Chris Gerritsen is, but he's killing him, right? I don't want to say that Chris let me down here in this head-to-head matchup, because I'm sure there's no one more upset about the outcome of this race than Chris Gerritsen. But this was basically the race for the division championship, and Chris Gerritsen went like 849. The index is 890. Come on, Chris. (laughs) But to take nothing away from Kyle Bigley, incredible season. And honestly, Jed, in a year where, as we've talked about, the Super Comp National Championship – is wide open. Pickley would have a shot based on his divisional score exclusively, but to this point, he's only been to one national event. There's very, very few opportunities remaining on that side of the world. Kyle's located in New Jersey, I believe, and he's not entered in Reading this weekend. I saw a post where it was full. He was unable to get in. Whatever the case may be, he's not entered, so he's not going to be able to earn points at Reading. So I don't really think there's any realistic shot of contending for a national championship. But it looks like he will end up as the Division I champion. And in what I think is his first year to seriously chase an HRA SuperComp, that's a huge accomplishment in and of itself. It does present the question, Big Jed, and we've talked about this before who on earth is going to win the SuperComp World Championship? <laughs> Austin Williams is still in the lead. Austin's last race, he went to the Denver National Event and the double at Topeka in late July. And at that point had a score that you said, "Okay, that's nice. That's probably going to get him in the top 10. It's not a championship score. Austin himself would be the first to tell you there is no way that he thought that that score would still be leading the national chase in mid-September. Yet it is. It looks like if you just look through the top 10, Austin has as good a shot as anybody. If you look a little bit further down the list, we talked a little bit about Don Nichols from Nebraska. And I would still say that he probably has the best chance and still has a ton of races remaining to claim. I believe he's got eight more races that he can go to four nationals and four divisionals. But again, it's mid-September. Like you're running out of opportunities, and again, um, Don Nichols. I don't know if this was full or if he couldn't make it that weekend. Whatever, he's not entered in St. Louis in a couple weeks. He is entered at Dallas. It, it looks like like he'll definitely make enough races to contend for the championship. Most of the remaining divisionals are in his area uh, between Great Bend and Double and Noble and potentially St. Louis. So I think he'll make enough to compete. It seems unlikely that he'll max out. Like, it seems very unlikely that he would make the full six national events unless he made a trip out west, which is certainly possible. It's just really interesting to see what ends up happening in SuperComp because then the looks of it now... It's kind of similar to what we talked about super gas a couple weeks ago. It looks like a much lower than traditional score, like in the upper 500s, could win this thing. Um, and Austin's been leading for months at like 540, whatever he's got. That that won't win, I don't think, <laughs> but. I don't know that it's going to get eclipsed by a ton. So it's going to be interesting to see who goes where. But I didn't mean to take away from Kyle Bigley. That's what this segment is about. Kyle is the very deserving recipient of this week's BTE Who's Hot. Yeah, uh, Kyle, a young driver, too. Kyle's probably
1: 19 or 20. I apologize for not knowing, Kyle, if if I missed that. But I think it's pretty close. He and his father, the very well-known Ed Bigley, is the crew chief there and and helps Kyle get to and from and make sure he's got good equipment to work with. So really happy for those guys. Kyle and Ed make a really good team, been doing it from the junior days all the way to now, uh, positioning himself to maybe get his first division title at the, the very, very young age. So a lot of things, a lot of good things in his future, obviously, if he were to try and chase, the national points, obviously, the, the field card would get beat up pretty good, and I'm not sure that's in the cards for him. I think I saw him make a post on Facebook or, or comment on somebody's post that he's really just focusing on the division, maybe get to a couple of out-of-division divisionals and, and try to uh, wrap that thing up in the Division one title chase. So good luck, Kyle. Congratulations on being this week's BTE Who's Hot.
0: All right, Jed, other news from Epping in that NHRA Division I event. And guys, this is probably difficult to hide on my end. You can probably hear through the (laughs) nasally sound of my voice that I'm a little bit under the weather. I'm gutting this out. Jed's taking on a little bit more of the load this week than normal, but uh, we're we're getting through this. From Epping, Allison Smith, friend of the podcast, Porta Tree Alley, runner-up in Stock Eliminator to Shane Oaks. Iggy, Iggy Boisesko got the win in Super Gas. He was 21 in the final, and perfect 990 with a zero. Prior to that, Iggy was nasty up front. In the five rounds prior to the final, double 3 times for a worse light of 13 in those introductory mm. five rounds. And quietly, Big Jed, Iggy, who's one of the most decorated and one of the most likable figures in yes. Super Gas competition, very quietly because we haven't said his name a whole lot this year he won the points meet at lebanon valley he's just been steadily stacking up rounds very quietly iggy has a shot at this thing he was the world champion back in 2006 to get it done this year would be a bit of a long shot again devin eisenhower is in the driver's seat iggy has three national events remaining he'll probably like realistically may only make two of them. I would assume he'd go to Reading. I assume he'd go to Charlotte. Beyond that, he'd have to really get on his horse and travel a lot at this point in the country. But if he was to win one of those nationals, he would overtake Devin's current score. And I I mean, Devin's got a great shot to improve, but until that happens, like 590 is the mark right now. With another win, Iggy could do that. Iggy's entered in Reading this weekend. Iggy's won Reading before. In fact, I was telling this story off the air. I remember a story, I'm 99% sure it was from Reading, where Iggy won that race. And I believe, if the story holds true, like, didn't shut his car off on Sunday. Like, <laughs> broke a flex plate or something at, like, fourth round and never shut the thing off for the next three or four rounds and whatever, two, three, four hours. Iggy is one of the few superclass <laughs> competitors that is really competitive on alcohol. Obviously, that helped in that situation. But I would imagine that that is still an epic story so if iggy was to go on and win the world championship we'll have him on like to talk about his season but i want to hear that story too
1: <laughs> yes i would lo- love to hear that as well and iggy uh that 2006 points chase i remember a couple of events that i got to go to and iggy was performing really well and he can rest easy well, not rest easy, but he he can feel good about knowing that that championship season was the same season that I passed tech at the Gators for the first time in my life. So, uh, you could go back and listen to that story, and it, it'll just make you feel really good about yeah. the whole season. It's, I a, mean,
0: I'm sure it, that he didn't have a good enough feeling about his 2006. Yeah. When you intertwine that, my goodness, yeah, when
1: you know that that epic moment in my life coincided with your championship season. It's going to feel really good for you. Luke, that was, uh, Iggy was not the only uh, one that that made some noise there. Sean Frick got the win in Super Street, and the the Frick family has had a really good run here the last, I guess, maybe seven, eight weeks.
0: Yeah, no question. We talked about Jackie Frick, that's uh, Sean's husband, getting the win in Top Alcohol Dragster up at Brainerd on the same weekend that her niece, Taylor Icono, got a Super Street win. Don't get me to lie in Cecil County, maybe one of those Division One races. So everybody in the family, they're passing around the Wally up there in the Frick family. Yeah. So cool stuff. And
1: Sean is actually Jackie's husband. And I don't mean to correct you, but I, I know what did that I, say? You're, I know you're under the weather and, and you would not have wanted that to, to go on. Uh, you said uh, Jackie Frick, which is Sean's husband.
0: Oh, yeah, that, that, that doesn't sound right. Sorry about that.
1: Well, you're, you're probably heavily medicated.
0: Maybe that's the problem. I should be heavily medicated. <laughs> Other news from Epping. Jeff Brooks, runner-up in top sportsman to Eric Cabral. That runner-up moved Jeff into the third place nationally behind Doug Crumlich. And our apologies to Doug Crumlich. Doug surpassed J.R. Loebner and took the national points lead in top sportsman. We didn't even talk about it. Sorry, Doug. Um, Doug went wow. on a heck of a roll, winning top sportsman at the Division Six event in Seattle, and then the very next weekend, winning the second of the two doubleheader events at Salt Lake City. Those two wins catapulted him into the national points lead, ahead of J.R. Loebner. Again, I think J.R. still has the best chance and is likely to overtake that. But it is very much noted and, sh- and should not have been overlooked on our part that Doug Kremlitz is your current um, points leader. Had Jeff Brooks won this race at Epping, this would actually be a little bit more interesting. He's still got a chance, but he's really got his work cut out for him. Um, this deal's far from over. But as I said earlier, I would have to, if I was going to handicap this, Jared Loebner, I think, still the heavy favorite coming into the races that he has remaining.
1: Yeah, so, Luke, that uh, wraps up. The event up there that those guys were competing at in Division I, uh, NHRA Division Two, had a Lucas Oil event at South Georgia Motorsports Park. Yeah, I know a lot of people are familiar with that because that totally wrecked the Alabama Slammer's opportunity to go compete at the All-State Challenge, but that got postponed until next month. So maybe we're back in business. Um, in the meantime, how about Cooter? He got on a roll down there in South Georgia. Cooter's pretty good at this racing thing. He does know what he's doing really well. He got the near double up, which is not something that's unfamiliar to him. He's, he's done that a few times. he come up runner up to uh, Jeff Longany in the Superstock category. Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. is the guy we're talking about, known as Cooter if he didn't know. But uh, he's part of Team K-Mac, so K-Mac's still on a roll. He got – Cooter got the win in stock over Daniel Young, another fine young talent right there, no pun intended. Cooter comes up short in Superstock, comes back, gets the win in stock. Formerly Team Luke, that means he's not anymore.
0: Obviously had a ton of faith in Cooter starting the year. The year didn't start well for him let's be quite frank and even this win i don't think really puts him as a contender in the national points chase so i don't feel bad about waving cooter off the team but when we redraft this in 2019 he'll be at the top of my big board got a lot of respect for cooter and he showed through with that this weekend super comp down at south georgia ray ray Ray-Ray Miller got the win over Buck Holmes. The only real impact, potential impact, on the national points chases from South Georgia was in Top Dragster, where Mark Jones, Louisiana racer, got the win over Eli McGee. That gives Mark an outside shot at the title. Uh, Remember, if you do remember, he started the year on fire. I believe Mark won the first two um, Lucas Oil Division events that he went to and has been relatively quiet since. Now, he's got a chance— to catch Paul Nero, but he's got to get on his horse. Um, with four races remaining, Mark Jones would basically have to make two finals and win one of them out of those four events to surpass what Nero's got now, assuming that Paul Nero didn't improve. So basically, if, I, I still think Nero's in the catbird seat there. If anyone, um, Mark Jones included, is going to top his score, it's going to take a monumental effort.
1: Yeah, and uh, for Team Jed's sake, um, no, I'm not rooting against you, Mark. But hopefully, Paul Nero holds on. Top sportsman Luke Dylan Stott got the win over Bruce Duncan, and our buddy Matt Weston rounded it out in Super Street again getting a win and taking a commanding lead in the Division II points. And uh, he's obviously the Division II champion from 2017. So Matt looking really good to try and do a repeat here in 2018. Uh, Luke, real quick before we uh, pay some bills and and get to the next part of the show, I want to say, I guess, uh, congratulations to our buddies, Greg Dillman and Alan Neff, for a great run of the no box nationals those guys actually have uh called it quits on the promoting side of the no box nationals after 11 really good years i I got to go to that event quite a few times and those guys did a wonderful job but they're moving on to the next part of their lives so they got a lot going on with kids and family and uh, needing some time to dedicate to that so I want to say thanks to those guys and their families, uh, Dana and Aaron, everybody that was involved uh, with Greg and Alan on the No Box Nationals um, 11-year run. Those guys did an awesome job, and uh, we appreciate all they've done for our sport.
0: Yeah, I got the opportunity to attend a couple of No Box Nationals over the years and was honestly looking forward to that event going forward as I get my Vega back together. Um, But as you said, I think the narrative around some of this stuff – is always going to be particularly in this time that there is so much competition and there are so many races that some of them have to get eliminated, have to go away. And that may be true, but that is not really the case here, Big Jed. This was always mm-hmm. a very successful, extremely well-run event. And as you said, Alan and Greg just reached a point where other priorities have taken over and again, just made the mutual decision to uh, to pull back the reins here on the Novox Nationals. So kudos to them. I be all about that wally. I be all about that wally. I be all about that wally. Bet I came for the I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe, and you can do that on. Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe that way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE. Neither of us, Jed, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and torque converters exclusively since 1998. That's 20 years ago. It doesn't feel like I've been racing for that long. BTE has quite literally powered Every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point is that BTE builds products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster, top sportsman, power glide, transmission a torque converter built to your specific combination or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. You can shop online at bteracing.com. In addition, today's
1: podcast is presented by the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular. Now, this new Summit Sportsman Spectacular is coming to Memphis International Raceway in Millington, Tennessee, in the Memphis area. And these guys putting on a great show. The main event will be Saturday's $10,000 to win race, while Sunday will pay $5,000 to win. Every penny of it guaranteed, regardless of car count. That should make you be there for sure. Both races allow electronics. While the no-box entries will be kept separate until one remains. Now, that racer, that one remaining no-box racer, will receive a bonus of $1,000 on Saturday and $500 on Sunday. If that racer is an IHRA Super Series member, they receive a bonus of another $500. That's a lot of extra cash you no-box guys No Box Racers have won two of the main events thus far as well. This event will provide a little something for everyone. It's got Ironman, big checks for the winners, there'll be round prizes, contingency, a very popular golf cart race, and the thing I love the most, the Racer Appreciation Cookout. Pre-enter now for only $150 for the Memphis event. That will run until September the 17th. Pre-enter now at ihra.com.
2: It's time for The Big Interview on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed.
1: All right, we are joined now by longtime successful Midwest racer, Zach Schlump. Zach has been a fixture in the late rounds and local and big buck races throughout the region for over a decade behind the wheel of a handful of door cars, but most notably his prized Throwdown Motorsports Chevy Two. Zach and his longtime friend Jake Hodge recently released a new podcast of their own called "Dialed In" with Jake and Zach. So, want to say welcome and thank you for being here, Zach Schlump, How you doing tonight?
3: I'm doing great. Uh, happy to be here. Thank you all for having me and uh, and helping me get the word out about our new show. Jake Hodge and I are pretty excited about it and just been learning. Like uh, uh, Luke and I were talking about before we started learning the world of podcasting, it's been very interesting.
0: Yeah, it's it's not as simple as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> before no. before we get to your podcast, Zach, and we will get to your podcast for our listeners who aren't as familiar with you. Could you just tell us maybe a little bit about yourself and your
3: path up to this point in your racing career? Shoot, yeah, of course. I started racing when I was 10 years old in Junior Dragster days. I know Luke and I were about the same age. I think we kicked off about the time that Junior Dragsters started existing. I think it was 90, 93 or 94, whenever my dad got together, my first Junior Dragster, the original Zach Attack, and we raced at Chandler, and, and I think my first pass probably went 17 or 18 seconds and just thought that I was flying. and <laughs> And got caught with the bug early, Obviously. My dad has been racing for over fifty years. And as a kid, just basically grew up at the racetrack. pretty typical story in that sense. Uh, it was always a family affair. I couldn't wait to start racing. And you know got going with the junior dragster, like I said, at ten. and then at sixteen, started driving the, the Chevy Two. That belonged to my dad then and now belongs to me, and it's just been a, a slow evolution of, uh, you know, from a mid to high seven-second door car with a stock front end on it and not much, you know, in the way of power to uh, now we're, you know, on 620s with the with 383 on alcohol, and we've back halfed it, we've front halved it, and it's been a... Fairly successful with it. Won a couple of local track championships at Chandler. one in 2005. The other in 2008. Uh, had some decent success at bigger races. Got the biggest as far as win goes would be the door car shootout race at in 2015. And just so happened to do that in the wheel of a, the wheel of a Camaro my dad owned at the time. And. We just, just kind of keep going as much as we can. been lucky now to be able to race in some bigger races more often and, and get out there and and try to make it happen on a little bit bigger stage. And that's definitely the plan going forward.
0: I'll take this on a little bit of a personal note, Zach. As you know, I've been a huge fan of your racing for a long time. And for those of you not familiar with Zach, like, I think you get a pretty good feel for who he is and what he's about just from what he just told us. But in my mind... Zach Schlump epitomizes like the the bracket racer, the the weekend warrior quote unquote of our sport. Like he literally puts everything that he has into his racing thinks it through like race is really smart and has had a ton of success on a relatively tight budget like uh, he's one that I think we can all look up to if you're starting into this from nothing you know what I mean just getting started like this is the guy to epitomize to to model yourself after this is how you do it
1: yeah no doubt Zach uh, what I know of you is you've, you've done it at a high level for quite some time and you do it with a tremendous passion for our sport which uh, is the kind of people that we want promote in this sport through whatever you do, but especially uh, the new podcast. So uh, while we're on the subject, talk to us a little bit about the new podcast. Uh, obviously, these things take some have some stages of planning and discussion prior to happening. How did the idea come to fruition?
3: So kind of a the story of the podcast is, is I have thought about doing it for quite some time. I'm somewhat of a podcast junkie. I can't get enough of uh, talk radio, or, and, and I've started listening to podcasts probably – about three years ago, I think one of the first ones I listened to was Adam Carolla. And I remember him from, he was used to be on Loveline, uh, which was a show they had on MTV. And I just really like that format of this open discussion and having guests on and like listening to people's ideas. I've just kind of always been wired that way. If I'm going down the road, I, I enjoy music. I, I love music, but I personally would rather be listening to a conversation and trying to learn something from it and trying to hear other people's point of views and so from there, I always kind of thought, I wonder what it would be like to do something like that, and had been kicking there, around the idea, and um, and then obviously, you know, you guys had started out, and I thought, man, you know, that's a, that's really cool, being able to talk about the sport that you love in this, you know, somewhat of an open format, and, and have all these different guests on, and, and so I talked to Jake about it, probably, it's been an two or three months ago. And I just sent him a quick message. And we've been buddies for a while and, and asked him if he'd ever be in, ever thought about doing a podcast and if he'd be interested in it. And he said, well, you know, buddy, I don't know much about it. But if uh, you want to get it set up, I'm all for it. And so two or three weeks went by after that. And I was thinking more and more about it. And I thought, you know what? There's no better time than now. It's time to just, just do it and give it a shot and just learn as we go and sure we're going to make mistakes. It's not going to be perfect right out of the gate, but, and I, also, I figured, you know, and the sportsman drag racing podcast is is fantastic. Everybody seems to be received really well. I know I love listening to it every week. And I figured, you know, it's a, it's an hour long show where there's seven days in a week. There's 24 hours a day. There's plenty more time and room for, for another podcast out there to talk about bracket racing. So, ah, uh, you know, from there we just uh, recorded the first show with a lot of bumps and bruises, but but got it out there, and and uh, and from there now we're uh, just released episode three.
1: So be honest, you had to really be thinking if Luke and Jed can do it, pretty much anybody can. So we're going to give it a run.
3: <laughs> no, not exactly. You all, I think you all do a fantastic job, and you uh, you raise the bar very very high. And I, I know you always have probably. And you know you have experienced this as well. Listening to yourself is such a different experience. Going back and, and listening to the recording, and I thought, my goodness, do I really sound like that? And all the, <laughs> ands and ums as I as I know I'm still doing, but I'm I'm more conscious of it now, and I'm, I'm working on it.
0: Yeah, that's the tough part, because to some extent, you have to listen just so you know how awful it sounds and what you can do better. Mm-hmm. But on the other half, like half of our episodes, I don't ever go back and listen to More than half, probably. They <laughs> just don't want to know. It. We um, know the ones we want to hear and the ones we don't. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. You did confirm what we all suspected, Zach. You are the brains behind the podcast. Obviously, Jake is the is the looks <laughs> and the humor, but Zach is the <laughs> brains. So that's what we had all assumed. Hey, that's not- uh, we need those guys too. <laughs> I'll be completely honest like when you guys first announced the show obviously I was excited we had we had talked back and forth about your plans and as you mentioned like the the more people that we have in this space promoting our sport talking about our sport the more people we get interested the better that is for everybody but With that in mind, when you first announced the show, I thought, okay, this is cool. Like, We obviously need to promote these guys and help them get this thing going, but I just assumed that we would give you a month or two to get settled before we had you on for this spot. Why? Because speaking from experience... Our first few episodes were awful, Zach. (laughs) I, I, I won't claim to have gotten much better in terms of content. You know, I mean, we're two years into this and we still gas bag all the time, right? It's what we do. But in terms of production... Like our first couple episodes, like Jed would talk in one ear and I would talk in the other. Like if you had the headset, we had no idea what we were doing. And largely, um, to be completely honest, we still don't. Like we (laughs) outsource that stuff. We got Mark and RJ and we just gas bag away and they fix it. (laughs) But like it's not – if you listen and and God bless the listeners that like have been on board with us since day one and put up with that and kept listening. Like unbelievable, right? Because I go back to those and be like how on earth did anyone put up with this? The point is like there's a lot to learn, but – What I'm getting at with this, Zach, is I'm on the road the other day, and I just – I had some time, and I listened to most of your second episode, and it's really good. Like, from a sound and production standpoint – like you guys have gotten up to speed really quickly, and I know that there's a process to that, and we talked about it a little bit earlier. But can you speak on that line without getting too nerdy for our listeners that don't give a rats behind about how a podcast comes together? Like, how big of a transition, how big of a jump outside of your comfort
3: zone has this been? Yeah, it's it has been a, a pretty big jump, and uh, I can't tell you how much you know. We've got a, a lot of help from, from my wife, Kristen. has She's taken over the editing part of it and that's been huge. The first episode I edited and did poorly, and she basically said, okay, you you get out of the way, and, and I'll take it from here, and that's been great, and she does a, she does a really good job, and, and Jake's girlfriend, Jenna, she has been helping us a lot, too, and so we just, uh, you know, really just kind of been a group effort between the four of us to just keep, you know, asking each other questions and, and moving forward and, and trying to decide, okay, what's the best, you know, what's the best to do here, and try to get an outline of an, of an episode together, and and, and so far, and it's amazing what you can do nowadays uh, for, for very cheap online as far as the production and the editing. I was really, really impressed by uh, just basically searching on how to do a podcast and we were able to, to put it together. So uh, it's been really, really an interesting process to do. And I thought, yeah, I thought the second episode was le- leaps and bounds better than the first. The first one was, was pretty rough. And I think the third one is, is even an improvement on that.
1: Zach, you, you kind of gave away that, these things do not take a lot of uh, finances to to get up and going but we really didn't want you to give that away our listeners think our budget's really huge so <laughs> we we didn't people don't think we have a low budget show because of how great it is so let's uh, let's try to keep that to ourselves if we can but we we'll keep that honest on the DL <laughs> right. Luke and I got involved in this uh, for a, a variety of reasons i guess mainly i got involved in it Personally, because Luke said, hey, man, I was the the Jake into that. And he said, hey, think about doing a podcast. Um, think you want to do it with me? And you don't tell Luke Bogacki no. So I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I really don't know what that is. But if you want to do something, I'll do it. Whatever you want to do, just mm-hmm. follow his lead. And it's worked out fairly well, I'd say. But honestly, we, we want to promote our sport and the people within it. That's been something that we've been passionate about from day one these guys and gals do not get the attention especially from the junior side as well they don't get the attention they deserve for the passion that they instill in our sport to keep it running so wanted to promote those people we get to tell a lot of stories a lot of awesome stories that that don't get a lot of attention we get to discuss those things and and give them a, a bigger platform to to get out to the world and and as a platform, at times we get to express our own opinion. You know, I think early on was the thing I was pretty reserved about doing. I was always worried about what I say. But actually, you know, what you learn as you go through this process is. This is the platform in which you get to do that. This is not like you sitting around talking to a couple of your buddies and tell them how you personally feel. You get the opportunity to express your opinion in a professional setting and weigh in on specific debates and or the direction of the sport and some controversial topics, which we like to discuss. And we've learned how to discuss those the right way and try to get better results going forward when those situations occur again so you know that's some of the things that that we've learned and tried to do with this show but what was the biggest driving force for you guys when you finally sat down and started up dialed in
3: well i would say that it's it's fairly similar I, I think that you know like you said there are so many great stories that happen in in the sport of drag racing and there's so many different there's so many different races and just period going on there's a lot to talk about And I think that right now our sport is progressing, feels like it's progressing fairly rapidly. And this is just a great format to be able to reach everybody. And it's an easy thing for people to listen to, whether they're in their car or they're out in the garage working on race cars, trucks, trailers, whatever. You know, there's there's a lot of listeners out there that are hungry for content like this i feel and i think that there's a lot of open space there for it so i think it's great and and like you said yeah your your platform to give your opinion to the world is is wide open in the world of, of podcasting and i think that's uh, i think that's really good and like i said i th- i think the the conversation part of it in sharing of different ideas and learning from from one another in and, and this type of format can really push things in a, in a good direction, I feel. Zach, I don't
0: know if you're personally familiar with a concept that's often referred to as the imposter syndrome. That's something we've discussed here on the show before. It's been a while, and I can attest from personal experience, it's very real. Like, it, We've been doing this for two years now and there are often times when as we're hitting record i think to myself who on earth wants to listen to me talk about racing like and that's the idea behind the the quote unquote imposter syndrome in general like who am i to consider myself an authority and then that gets hammered home like almost weekly because we inevitably make mistakes we miss content like we just mentioned Doug cromluch took the lead and then tried top sports and we didn't even mention it because quite honestly we didn't realize it right but that imposter syndrome, man, like, that's real. That's something that we all fight. Have you – I know you talked about, like, how odd it is to listen to yourself on the recording. But have you felt that specifically? And I guess if so, like, how have you been able to combat and overcome that and say, like, this is the space that I want
3: to be heard in? Well, I think that what that comes down to is just kind of – um I think that's a fear that that would be that would be definitely be common in this situation. And yes, you're you're putting your ideas out there for everyone to consume and then they can form whatever opinions that they may on it. And that is somewhat of a scary prospect of course anything that's put out there we all know there's not there's no way to make everybody happy and not everybody's gonna like it so I just think for me and that was probably a hindrance in, in, in what held me back from doing this sooner was that type of, of fear and I I think that you know once you can you can get over that and just go ahead and, and put something out there and sure and not everybody's opinion of it is going to be, is going to be all, you know, five stars, but I think that, you know, if we can put out something that's that's decent to listen to that has good subject matter, you know, that we can we can talk about racing and, and talk about the stories within racing, then there's going to be people out there that are going to like it. And that in podcasting is a great way because that's so measurable. You can see exactly how many people have downloaded it, how many people have have followed it, subscribed it um, across multiple platforms. So it, that's how people can vote on, on whether they, they think well, listening to your opinion is worthwhile. So I, I think it's a it's a good format for that.
0: Yeah, without question. What you come to realize to that, that imposter syndrome, so to speak, like the most successful people you know or are aware of have the same fears in their most private moments. Like the best explanation that I'd ever heard of that was I guarantee you that the president wakes up at least every now and then, looks himself in the mirror and says, who on earth am I to run this country? But then yet he goes on and does this. Now, granted, when I read that, they were talking about Obama. Like, it's kind of hard to picture Trump questioning himself in any way. Like, that's really not his personality. Imagine <laughs> yeah. in those private moments, even someone in that much power, with that much self-confidence, has a lot of the same internal fears, and we just figure out a way to overcome them. For sure. Yeah, so... so- Zach and and again,
1: what you guys will go through. I'm a I'm known as an announcer for Big Buck Bracket Racing, and I'm a kind of guy that likes to get on the mic and have fun with people and call for food. So, the kind of guy who needs to be loved. I I gotta <laughs> feel good. I gotta make sure everybody loves me and and feels <laughs> good about what I'm doing. But when you start giving your opinion, especially on controversial subjects. What you learn is sometimes they don't exactly love what you're saying, but, you know, you still are doing a good thing by offering your opinion on a platform like this. So that leads us to, to this. Is there a specific type of story that you want to tell or point that you want to get across that you see the podcast providing the medium to accomplish?
3: From that standpoint, uh, just I mean, what we're trying to accomplish is just to spread the the sport of bracket racing further. If we can we can reach more people, we can get people engaged and talking about it more. Then it can be nothing but good for the sport. I feel, and, and you know, like we've covered, there's so much content out there, you know, to be to have opinions on and to and to talk about and and to have um you know to have great to great complex discussions about in our sport that I think that there's um I think that I'm losing my train of thought sorry (laughs) good thing is I know you Uh, can edit this out (laughs)
1: well Um, no and and there's no editing needed for that because we understand how you can lose your train of thought but basically I feel like that the path you were taking was that you're just trying to better the sport you're not really Trying to create a platform that gets to tell Zach Schlump's opinion on everything. You're, yeah. you're trying to do good things for our sport and continue to highlight the important topics and people and, and other things that make our sport so wonderful.
3: Yep, that's right. You hit it exactly. And then we all know, I mean, how many great people there are in this sport. It's just amazing of how many great friends and how many people that I feel like are family, basically, that I've met and grown up with around drag racing. So, uh, that's a great thing to talk about. I mean, it's just a very, uh, very expansive topic for sure. And, um, Also, I I do want to make sure I mention that we have had a lot of help getting the podcast off the ground from a couple people and businesses. And number one that I have to mention is Steve Law and Law Chevy. Thank you, Steve. You are awesome. And also Jeff Serra at InMotion Solutions. So if I can, just do a little shameless plug to tell everybody we do have some exciting announcements on Episode 3 regarding those two sponsors. So I'm not going to give it away. Just please take a listen and, uh, and like their pages and tell them thank you.
1: Yeah, a couple of good guys you mentioned and uh, guys that uh, perform very highly in their own right. So looking mm-hmm. forward to hearing that announcement. So speaking of, for the listeners that haven't already, that haven't heard, uh, what's the easiest way for them to find your show so that they can make sure they get to listen to Dialed In?
3: Easiest way, go to the Facebook page. Each week, uh, we'll post up the feed where you can click on it, go right to it and download it. It's on uh, Podomatic is the main platform that we're using. It's now on iTunes. It's on Google Play. It's on CastBox, which is a really handy app I like using. I listen to all my podcasts on CastBox. And uh, it's on Spotify as well. So it's it's pretty well everywhere.
1: Yeah, sounds like it's very easily accessible. Uh, Zach, good luck to you and Jake. Uh, I know you guys are going to do a great job with this show. Stay committed and dedicated to it. and, And we will be the... The people that benefit from it as you guys continue to grow your show and your audience. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been uh, been great to interview you, but you know our deal. You know we're not done. You know we got rapid fire, and I know you're up for it.
3: All right, buddy. Yeah, I'm ready. And thank you. Thank you and, and for allowing me to come on here and promote the podcast. Thank you all for your support of it. It really means a lot. I appreciate it.
0: All right, Zach. A little rapid fire fun for you. I may right be the only – red-blooded American that really doesn't care much about NFL football no. with that in mind I know that you share my passion for college hoops I think you're a Tar Heels fan if I remember correctly that's correct so who wins this year's NCAA national championship and if you've thought that deeply go ahead and give us a final four.
3: four oh man it almost pains me to say this um well I'm gonna stick with my heels I can't go I mean uh but I'm going to stick with my heels for national championship. As far as a uh, final four goes, I haven't really thought that through too much. I know Duke is strong. I will put the, I will put them in the final four, even though that hurts really bad. Other than that, I, that's
0: where I, I thought you were going initially. And I'm like, Oh God, we're going to have to shut the, the podcast down. Don O'Neill's going
3: to hang you. No, I'm not going to say that. I will. So I'd say I, that they'll make it to the final four, but they, cause they're, they do look really strong. And then I'm, um, other than that man it's so hard to pick i can't come up i'm trying to come up with another two i mean it'd be easy to say to say maybe we could look back on this i'll look like a genius if i say something like i'll say michigan and xavier but
1: but you got north carolina winning
3: it all yeah, UNC win it all.
1: Imagine that, a podcast with a guy that's a homer picking his favorite team to win some. That's, that's odd, Zach. <laughs> that never happens, happens
3: here. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, if you didn't race, you'd do what? If I didn't race, you know what? That's a crazy question. A, a crazy answer. I probably I might try to be a stand-up comedian. Racer that you look up to the most whether it be currently or throughout your career? Racer that I look up to to the most, my dad, Billy Schlumpf. Easy answer, for sure. He's um, He's been awesome. Zach, what is your favorite movie? Favorite movie of all time, Days and Confused. Oh, I, I just
0: blanked like I was wanting to quote something from Days and Confused. It's one of my favorites, too. Um, <laughs> that that right, was the right, reason right. for the Yeah, there you go. That was the reason for the pause there. All right, race that you've, and you may have answered this for us off air, but race that you've never been to,
3: but is on your bucket list. The Million, for sure. And uh, this year, planning to make first appearance. So I'm very looking forward to it.
1: We're looking forward to seeing you there. Zach, awesome job, man. We appreciate, again, you taking some time to join us tonight and tell us a little bit about Dialed In. Good luck to you and Jake. know you guys are going to do wonderful things, and uh, I'm sure we'll get to talk to you sometime again in the future.
0: yeah, once again, folks dialed in with Jake and Zach. Is it Zach and Jake or Jake and Zach? Yeah, it's Jake Did you and you guys Zach. argue about that?
3: Mm-hmm. no, I just thought, I thought that sounded better <laughs> for some reason.
0: <laughs> we <laughs> argued about it um,
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's not like you think I. He was Jed and Luke. And I was like, no, it needs to be Luke and Jed. So
0: I thought you were the more recognizable figure. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) Dialed in with Jake and Zach. Again, find their Facebook page. As Zach just mentioned, you can find them on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, basically anywhere that you find podcasts. Anywhere that you find this podcast, I think you can find Dialed In. So if you haven't already, be sure to check
3: that out. Once again, Zach, thank you for joining us, buddy. Appreciate it, guys had a great time. You guys do a great job. Thank you very much. All right, Zach. See
2: you, man.
3: Honey, where are we
2: racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's On Tap.
1: All right, Luke, uh, there's uh, a lot of racing on tap for this week, but it's bracket finals heavy. There's a couple of NHRA events that could go a long way towards determining national champions. So look forward to seeing how that plays out and points implications where everybody falls. But plenty of racing to do, especially From a division standpoint, uh, IHRA Division 5 Summit Team Finals are at US 131 in Martin, Michigan. The IHRA Division 9/slash Division 2 East Summit Team Finals uh, have been postponed. They were at Darlington. Obviously, a hurricane impacting that area. Thoughts and prayers go out to anybody in the, in that line of fire as well. Good move by those guys making an early call, getting that postponed till October the 10th through the 14th. The NHRA Division III Summit ET Finals are at Indy Lucas Oil Raceway. The NHRA Division IV Summit ET Finals are at Ennis, Texas, and the Texas Motorplex. NHRA Division V Summit ET Finals at Heartland, Park, Topeka, uh, NHRA Division 6 Lucas Oil event will be at Legendary Woodburn Drag Strip in Woodburn, Oregon. Beautiful part of the country there. Hope everybody gets up there and enjoys that Lucas Oil race. And, of course, the Dodge NHRA Nationals at Reading, Pennsylvania. So a lot of racing on tap. Again, that Summit ET Finals there at Darlington has been postponed until October the 10th through the 14th. And, of course, our buddy Jacob Elrod and the folks uh, having uh, the big triple 20s at Dragway 42. Heard nothing but great things about Dragway 42. I know the the Elrod boys and, and all of their staff are going to put on a great show. So I guess that brings us to a close, Luke. That'll wrap up this episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. I want to say thanks to our great sponsors, the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular, and of course the fine folks at BTE. And I want to say a special thanks to uh, Zach Schlump for coming on and talking about their new podcast, his and Jake Hodge's new podcast, Dialed In with Jake and Zach. Looking forward to having another podcast on the docket. And speaking of my good friend Justin Wanamaker and the folks at US 131. They also got a local podcast for, for their deal, too, so uh, check out that as well. The more of these podcasts and things that we can get for our sport, uh, the merrier and the more wonderful it will be for everybody. So, Luke, this is a special part of the show that I'm looking forward to listening to. It's shout-out time.
0: It is shout-out time, but before we actually get into the shout-outs, Big Jed, I, you, uh, loyal listeners know it is the year of the Chevette. T-1000, right? I've been on that horse yes. for a while, and I've gone so far as to say that while 2018 is the year of the Chevette slash T-1000, it's undeniable that 2019 will, in fact, be the year of the Pinto. Okay. <laughs> the other day, my, my wife goes shopping with her sister. They just give her a day to herself. I got the boys. We go bowling. We are leaving the bowling alley, and this is... I'm not making this up, Jed. I pull up to the stoplight beside a true factory Chevette that is missing the muffler. And I noticed, like, I thought at first, like, it was a beautiful day. My man's just got the windows down. He's resting his arm. And then come to realize he is signaling his left turn (laughs) because the turn signals are not operational on the Chevette. And at this point, I'm thinking, podcast Chevette, it's the year of the Chevette. Look at this thing. And I have to take a picture of this. But then the light turned green. I have two kids in the truck. Like, this is not the best idea that I've ever had. I completely failed on getting a picture of the Chevette. It may have been our best social media post of the year. So to you and Mark, (laughs) I apologize for that. (laughs) Coincidentally, Dustin Shore, one of our This Is Bracket Racing Elite members, like just within the last couple of days, posted a bunch of pictures about a car that he is either honestly like either interested in potentially buying or has bought and it's a pinto and i'm like oh my god like (laughs) what great what better time like you talk about buying in when the stock is right we know the pinto is about to go through the roof if you have an opportunity to buy a pinto (laughs) in the fall of 2018 knowing what's on tap dustin shore brilliant investment my friend all right shout outs (laughs) You'd be a fool not to pursue it. No. I mean, how? why didn't I think of that?
1: <laughs> you got a vague Shout
0: out to the Zach Attack junior dragster. That's epic. That's almost as cool ah. as Justin Time. Shout out to Justin Time and Justin Lamb. Shout out to Jackie Frick and her husband, Sean. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Shout out to Doug Crumlich. Sorry about just like forgetting that you are awesome for the past two weeks. Shout out to Iggy. And relentless in 2006, which no doubt has a whole new meaning for everyone that listened to the earlier conversation. Not only was that Iggy's championship season, it was also home of the Big Jed (laughs) Tech at Gainesville (laughs) epic story. Shout out to the North Carolina Tar Heels and the Fighting Luke Mays. That's Zach's team. It's also Don O'Neill's team. Shout out, Don O'Neill. Shout out to (laughs) Billy Schlumpf. Shout out to my cold. I hope that I sound a little bit better and feel a little bit better for episode 95 than I do on episode 94. Thank you guys for putting up with me today. (laughs)
1: Very well done. Only thing I didn't like about your shout outs this week is you've got them hidden from me on our document that we use to communicate about the show. So I always like to pre-read those and get really excited about them. So, I don't know if I like this way or not, but still
0: very, very well done, sir. I'll get back to that. I, I had a listener tell me that they could hear me typing in the background, so I wasn't going to put them on the Google Docs, but maybe I just need to be cognizant of muting my microphone when I'm typing in the shout outs as we go. So, I'll work <laughs> on that. I'll get better. <laughs> All right, guys, be sure to tell
1: us what you think. If you think Luke's typing too much in the background, tell us. That's okay. You can message us with anything that you want to tell us right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, or you can at either Luke or myself right there on the Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X. Thank you for tuning in. It's been a fun show, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Bang, you
2: know-
0: Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com.